finally time for the Friday Night Morning Show with Angelica, Jesse, and Kevin. Happy Friday! It's the Friday Night Morning Show, and yes, I am. Uh, I'm still in studio all by myself. I, uh, Jesse and Angelica are still on their honeymoon. They have been making some serious tracks across the country. I just talked to them, just got off the phone. They were at the North Rim of the Grand Canyon. Beautiful, beautiful sights. I promise, promise they're going to be back next week. And I know they've got pictures. They've already showed me they've taken tons of pictures. They got to sort through. I'm sure they're going to share some of those with you. But uh, yeah, I just me, I... I actually may have a guest coming on. I, I know I promised. We're going to have Lieutenant Colonel Steve Murray joining me shortly, hopefully, as you guys are well aware. Steve is fashionably late more often than not. And, you know, well, I think he's about to join us. I can see his little uh, logo, and I don't quite have his face yet, but... He's going to join me in a second. There he is. Let's bring him on right now. Steve, you like to just hear me? I hear you perfectly, and so does everybody else. Outstanding. (laughs) Oh, what day is it? I know, right? What what day is it? I just posted the link for this. Oh, you're throwing it up. We've we've already got like. I mean, I had probably. What the heck was it? Before I even started this show, there was like seven people waiting. Nice. Nice. Waiting a half hour before the show. Nice. At any rate, Steve, Jesse, and Angelica, they're not here. You know that. Yeah. They we had a good time last night. Jesse was a little uh inebriated last night. I heard Just, he was um yeah, he's a little out of it last night. That was uh quite funny, actually. He uh, he and Troop um, met at the cigar bar last night, and uh, they I didn't get there until I don't know they'd been there three hours, so you could calculate the amount of drinks they had in three hours and cigars. Oh boy! So I don't think I've seen Troop or him that that hammered ever. Really? So it was quite yeah quite entertaining. I told Angelica that she needs to uh, she definitely needs to be animated. Yeah. On the show because the Angelica in person, the Angelica on the show, yeah, two different things. She's she night and day. I told her just do one of your rants on the show and it'll go viral. Oh hell yeah! I mean, she. Is, I love having her on the show. She's still, you know, working her way into getting used to this whole uh, people are watching me thing and listening to me thing. You know what I mean? Yeah. But yeah, she is a ton of fun off the show, and she's great fun on the show as well. I think. I, I'm good with it. <laughs> anyway. What are we talking yeah, about tonight? Yeah. I, you know, there's all kinds of stuff going on. I, I mean, one thing I had to ask you, of course, everybody's heard that we got hookers and blow on the White House. Well, maybe not the hookers, but the blow, right? Oh, I must have lost him for a second there. No, um, I'm here. Oh, I'm yeah. here. My camera will fade in and out. Don't disregard it's got a mind of its own, does what it wants to do. So, right. so at any rate, um, hookers and blow in the White House now. 
and everybody can guess where the hell that came from. But what I wanted to ask you, have you ever been to the White House? Yeah. You yeah. you know the entrances, you kind of know the the lay of the land, right? Yeah, I've been uh um it's been years since I've been there, but I've uh, been to the White House Comp Center, um been to um the White House um on both sides, East Wing, West Wing. Um it's uh I was there as a as a captain way back when and uh it's people would be surprised how many people are actually there on a daily basis and how much staff is there i'm sure it's 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 doubled since i was there because <laughs> i was there in the clinton era and uh it's changed a lot just since then so when bush came in they had they were redoing the bunker so there's a whole new bunker underneath it now which I saw that in 10 and the situation room. So, right. you know, the, the place is, um, let's put it this way. The only people that can bring drugs in that place would be the first family. Nobody's jacking up the first family. Right. So, you know, that at least somebody in the, in the bloodline, that's a direct descendant of Biden is the one who brought the, uh, the Coke in and, right. uh, was, actively using it on the balcony if you can watch the videos and see him jacked up i so. you know it just doesn't make sense to me so at first they just said it was in the west wing but then we find out that it was actually the west wing executive entrance right yeah well, there's why are you surprised by that i'm, I'm not surprised but you know i'm surprised he wasn't doing crack well that is his jug of choice right but yeah. what what I'm surprised about is the media already, the, the spin it started instantly that, oh, we're never going to figure out who this was because there's just too many people in and out. But I think the West Ring executive entrance kind of narrows things down. And like you said, the fact that you're not getting in there with drugs unless you're one of the very, very inner circle, right? Yeah, they have bomb sniffing, dope sniffing dogs as you come in. You're but, not getting past that. I'm sorry. They already said we're not getting, you know, we're not going to find out who this is ever. I mean, come on. It's the most, one of the most secure places on earth. Yeah. The security yeah. to get in the, the, the logs, I, I correct me if I'm wrong, but everybody signs in and out and the time they came and the time they leave. And I, I just, I can't believe that they think we well, have a whole staff, right? You have a whole staff that does that, that does all that work. That's, that's the, that's the gist of it is that there's, there's people that document all that. So, you, you know, we know who brought it in. We know he, we know who's using it. It's just. From it, what I'm understanding, the secret service probably already knows who did it. And they're just well, spinning this. The The thing that's, here's the thing that's, if you're, the Secret Service job is to protect the office of the president. Correct. That's, a, that's their job. And it should tell you that there's this kind of malfeasance going on in the White House. It denigrates the office of the president. I don't care who's there. I don't care who's on shift. It's It denigrates the office of the president. And I don't, you know, I normally don't, um, I normally don't even pay attention to things like this because it just, it's such a clown show. There's no point in even paying attention to it. But this kind of thing, the Secret Service knows exactly who's there, exactly what they're doing, 
exactly where they are at all times. You can't tell me they didn't know he was, you know, blowing coke on the balcony. There's at least two agents right there watching him (laughs) all the time. So they know exactly who it is. They know exactly where it came from. But they're, again, they're covering down for the family. And that's, you got to ask yourself a question. Biden is Biden is not capable of holding office. You would think there would be some kind of a stipulation or clause somewhere in the regulations for the Secret Service that says they have to come forward and say this guy is not fit for duty. Because if their job is to protect the president, the office of the president and the well-being of the president, don't you think that they should come out and say this guy is senile and not fit for office? That that to me seems like Job number one for the Secret Service. Get get away from your oath of office. Your oath of office in and of itself should guarantee that that happens. But instead, we get this clown show where it's this constant parade of moronic stupidity every single week, one distraction after number, after another. And no one in the Secret Service says, says a word, not a word. And... I would think that the Secret Service would blow the whistle just on Jill's clothing. She (laughs) takes the worst drapes from the worst house and makes dresses out of it. That fashion statement in and of itself should sound all the alarms in the White House, because if you dress this badly on an average day, imagine what she looks like at a state dinner, a horror show. That in and of itself should be a national security risk. And don't joke. They loved the way Michael Obama dressed and, you know, that, that thing may run for president yet. You watch. Well, um, they're going to, so it's some interesting things happened today. Um, part of my, one of my admins sent me uh, um, a bunch of pr- Twitter feeds today because I'm not on Twitter. And I guess the, um, the PM or the president of the Netherlands stepped down today over pressures for immigration, the farming situation, that's a significant shift because he's a, he is like the WF boy. He, he was picked, installed by the World Economic Forum. He was put there to not only get rid of farms, but to cause starvation. And he was, he was on the glide slope. He was doing the right thing. I'm surprised that the pressure mounted to the point where he had to resign. Now, now the next one will be Macron and probably the Chancellor of Germany. And all things being equal, I, I would love to see a peaceful outcome to this, to where the W, the, the World Economic Forum and the entire Rothschild family are rolled up for crimes against humanity, right? along with Yuval Harari and all the rest of the malcontents. Uh, but I'm not... You know, I'm not hopeful of that. They'll just rebrand whoever they put in next and install to do the same shit. The WF brags about how they've got their people installed in almost every government around the world. They do. And it, the interesting thing is, is that they're so let's let's go back to the uh, Zabrisky or whatever it's called, the uh, the nuclear plant or for the reason the name escapes me right now. Um, oh, the messaging around the the. And the narrative around the nuke plant in Ukraine was a classic information operation to influence the public that Russia was going to blow up a plant that was in their possession. 
And Russia did a, br- a brilliant, brilliant move this week. They, they, they didn't say anything. They didn't, they didn't publicize anything. RT did a story saying that Zelensky was talking about blowing up the, the, the nuke plant and that there was explosives planted there. They ran it on RT and then they put the entire plant 24 seven on the internet and on its own TV feed. So Perfect. anybody could sit there and watch it. Not even 24 hours later, they had to retract the story and retract the narrative because they got, they got outplayed. Yeah. yeah. I, I touche. I mean, way to go, way to go, Putin, man. That, that, I was, I literally was geeking out over that because I'm like, this is a brilliant move it because is. he, he peacefully diffused Chernobyl too. And he didn't have to say a word, not one word priceless. They and never responded over Chernobyl. No, nothing. <laughs> no, it's fantastic. And the other part of it that's interesting is that Zelensky is now, um, He's not even talking about their quote-unquote counteroffensive. He's not talking about we need more money, we need more tanks. I I sincerely think that McGregor's right. I think that they're struggling to keep the lights on in Kiev because their counteroffensive is stalled. NATO doesn't have a justification to enter the war directly. And every narrative that they've tried to put forward that Russia did something or Russia blew up Nord Stream 2, no matter how they no matter how they try and spin it, alternative media breaks the story usually 24 to 48 hours before the story is actually mainstream. And by the time it gets to the mainstream and gets through that whole process, it's obsolete because the, the alternative media has literally outed them and um completely blown the, the narrative apart. I, I think it was, it's it's a testament to just how effective alternative media has become. Well, look at look at what happened with this so-called um, weekend coup that the media tried to pull over. That oh oh you know Putin's losing control of his militias. You know the his militants and and they're you know this guy's rolling in tanks to Moscow to take over. For I mean, they, the media had stories in the can. About that, what is it, Podorsky or, or the Wagner? Pergozin? Pergozin, thank you. The Wagner group was yeah, going to go Pergozin, and take yeah. over. I mean. He wasn't going to take over. He, no. he only had 3,000 troops. There's 30,000 troops in Moscow. That, that whole narrative was BS anyway. But I think what's interesting about that whole uh, parade was that if you're going to conduct a coup and you're going to take over the Southern Military Headquarters, you're going to be shooting people when you walk in the door. You're not going to be pouring tea and, and doing Instagram videos and, and doing videos. This, the whole thing reeked of PSYOP, like literally reeked of a PSYOP. And the interesting, I think it was a show. I, I think it was a show to gracefully get Pregosin out of the country. I think he was told before he started this that Wagner's going to be disbanded. You have two choices. You can go away quietly, or you could. We could put on a show, and we could leverage you one last time. But you're out of here. You're going somewhere else. We don't need you anymore. And I think it was bad blood over Pergozin's, you know, wild statements. I, I, I've said this before in sit reps, right? Your 
you're an asset until you're not. And when you're a liability, they either liquidate you or get rid of you in some way. This is a perfect way to do it. He yeah. goes, he sets up camp over in, in Belarus and he's 150 miles from Kiev and he's moved, you know, half of his, his forces there. God, what, what a fantastic narrative. Again, <laughs> another brilliant information move to put NATO on notice that the guys that were fighting in Bakhmut that handed you your ass, those same guys are in Belarus now. So if you want it to rain, come get some. I even mean, I, look, even if they're not an effective fighting force, even if they don't have any weapons, the narrative is still highly effective. And it's 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 shown just how inept the whole the whole um, Ukrainian army is. But it shows how inept the press is because everything that they've done is diffused every every current and future action that, that they could take within 72 to to. Uh, 96 hours and, and, and they're just wrong i mean everything they're reporting on is it's just wrong well even even the so i i posted something to uh telegram last week about jen saki right she's there's two kinds of folks in dc right and this is the this is the piece that i don't want people to lose sight of there's there's two camps in dc there's the 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 ultra liberals that are, you know, they see their liberal utopia coming true. But then you have the hardcore believers that are communists, hardcore Maoists, Obama, Garland, Chris Ray, um, Comey. Then you have Jen Psaki, who is not only a useful idiot, but she's a believer. And she actually is convincing because right she believes the bullshit coming out of her mouth. I, I think that J J Pierre, what's her name? The spokesperson now, she, I think she's right in that group too. She is. She's a believer, but even she's, the lies are getting so absurd that it's even hard for her to spin the lie. And we're seeing more and more desperation. And I, I everything they've done for the last two months has been desperation. I, if you would ask me this in January, in January, I was watching, a series of events starting to unfold. And I'm thinking June, July is the culmination point for these. One of which was NATO involvement in Ukraine. You have to move in the summertime because the wintertime is too, uh, spring and winter are too, it's just bogs down, right? Fall, you get mud. Spring, you get mud. You have to move in the summer or you have to move in the dead of winter. NATO would move in the dead of summer, which means June, July is when the culmination point starts. And I, I was convinced, convinced based on some of the things I was hearing. And I was hearing some weird stuff over the last couple of weeks that July 4th, there was going to be some kind of a black swan event. They were, they were planning a black swan event. And I sincerely think that they probably planned one, but it too was disrupted and they couldn't carry out their plans. They, they have been messaging for the past two years, especially in New York City, get a bug out bag, have food and water. Be ready for any contingency. They've been prepping this dirty bomb scenario for two years. And if you look at everything they were doing in January and February, it all pointed to June, July. And look, we still got a lot of runway in July. Right. But if you look at the current situation, the current situation is too calm and too quiet. And I think it's because they don't know what to do. 
they literally do not have not visualized what the end state's going to be. They they can't they can't explain to you in words what they're trying to create, and that's created a problem for them. That the, then the problem is nobody on their side of the fence. All these loose coalitions and these these marriages of convenience are starting to fall apart because nobody can agree on what the end state should be, and because they they're trying to rush this digital currency in place. You're starting to see all this disruption for for Fink to come out this week in BlackRock and say he's walking away from ESG. That's a significant tectonic shift and not just the gold, the globalist view of the world, but it's a tectonic shift in the the uh, direction that this country's taking and Europe's taking. I have a hard time believing Fink is seriously going to walk away, though. I, well, I mean, he is. Let's just play it out for a second. Let's play it out for a second because this disrupts a significant number of things. I think this is a direct result of a backroom deal with Jamie Dimon to to get to make the Epstein thing go away. In 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 exchange for that, we'll have the Fed freeze rates. Because if you listen to Jerome Powell, Jerome Powell sounds exactly like Jamie Dimon when he talks about federal policy. And he was raising rates, raising rates, and it was killing BlackRock's portfolio. They only have $39 billion of assets or trillion. I can't remember what it is. They don't have a lot of significant number of assets, right? The point is, is that if you listen to Tom Luongo, Luongo was saying that if they continue to raise rates, it will crush Europe. It will crush BlackRock. It will, it will crush Vanguard. So they're using this pump and dump scheme to... Um, what's he call it? Sluts and nuts or something like that. When he was talking about Jamie Dimon, the point is they were going after Jamie Dimon through the justice system, through the Epstein piece to try and get him to back off of the federal policy. And then all of a sudden the deal was struck in the back room. They, they signed a deal out of court and then all of this ESG stuff started going away. If you think back a year, Jamie Dimon said a year ago that we're not doing, we're a bank. We're not a we're not a policy company. We're not a political company. We're a bank. We're not doing ESG. And I think that they negotiated away ESG for digital currency and digital dollar because they don't want a central bank digital currency. They want a digital dollar. Because with a digital dollar, they can manipulate the currency, they can manipulate the back end, they can stay in power, they have significant resources that they can bring to bear to not only hedge and and um, and manage the currency, but they can completely decouple from Europe, and it keeps it keeps everybody in in New York and everybody in D.C. in power and the dollar stable. That to me is exactly what happened in the background. And now, why this is significant is because ESG, in its purest form, if you listen to the rhetoric is communism in its purest form. They were literally, there's companies out there right now that are hiring ESG officers, compliance officers. Yeah. The, Those the, are communist political officers. That's you, exactly what they are. You get a degree in the DEI, the diversity, equity, and inclusion. Oh, right? God, what you a bullshit term. Wait, let me say it right. That's a bullshit term for communists. It That's is. a communist like, political officer is what it is. I like call to it what it is. The letters. It's it's DIE, diversity, e- inclusion, and equity is die. It, you you start doing that shit, you die. Well, it's the the point of the point of the whole exercise, though, 
was they were going to install these political officers, just like the Soviet Union did, just like China's done, in every single business so that the state has their fingers in every single business. And every single time that they try and do that, something comes up and trips them up. And now, with this tectonic shift, I see it going the other way. I see companies getting rid of diversity equity officers and the pendulum swinging the other way. At the same time, all of that's going on. You're, you're starting to see a massive influx of immigrants, and you're starting to see all these, these cities starting to break down at the same time. I think that there was a deal struck at the same time that said, you keep the preponderance of the migrants or, or the illegals out of New York City and do something with, with um, the current stable of them that are in New York City so we don't destabilize the financial center of, of the U.S. Because you notice how Eric, uh, I can't think of his last name, uh, New York New York City mayor was talking about putting um, illegals in people's homes. And now he's not talking about that. Well, he's not talking about that because they've made some deal to shift them and move them to different cities. And people don't realize what they're doing in the background, right? So when they started this back in 2020, 2021, they were building communities and moving moving the illegals via via error to different cities around the country. And they've built these huge communities for all these illegals. They're giving them phones, houses, foods, um, stipends, all the whole nine yards. Well, now they're moving them out of New York City. That tells me that now there's a shift in that too. And what I'm what I'm going towards here is I think there's going to be a shift in the number of illegals that they bring into the country. Because look, the UN still has their narrative. And when this is said and done, every one of those people at the, at the UN that was complicit in this, they're all going to be hung. Every single one of them are going to be hung for crimes against humanity. Because the, the establishment through the UN are the ones that have been enticing people from all over the world to come to the US on the US taxpayer's dime. They've been funneling money to the UN through FT, first it was through FTX and Silicon Valley Bank and a few others. They'd funnel it to uh, FTX and then they funnel it back to the UN, who would send it down to Latin America, South America, Africa, in all parts in between to bring people into the country. And now the funnel's been shut off and the access to money has been shut off. So we're seeing people coming into the country and they don't have the same guarantees. I think that they're going to turn the spigot off. And I think they're going to recon, you know, recoup to try and stave off a financial collapse. But I don't think it's going to. I don't think it's going to work. I think we're too far past the culmination point. Yeah, but all this is going on all at the same time. Millions of illegals entering this country every year. Millions. Yeah. yeah. I, I don't know how you can shut it off and, and save it at this point. You don't. You don't. We're. we're this is what's going to have to happen. And you know what's funny is is um. I've I've cut back on the number of sit reps I've been doing just to see how things are developing because there's so many things, that. so many things. Yeah, there's so many things in flight. And part of it is I'm not paying attention to national news. I, I routinely get inundated with that shit every single day, and I don't listen to it because it's just bullshit. Every bit of it. Anything that comes out of Kevin McCarthy's mouth is horseshit. Oh, Anything that comes out of Jim Jordan's mouth is horseshit. Jim Jordan is funded by Facebook, Google, and every other tech company, as well as pharmaceuticals. You think that that Kevin motherfucker McCarthy. is actually going to do anything yeah. that's going to do anything about the GOP though. Kevin huh? McCarthy is going to save the GOP because he's not endorsing Trump 
because he doesn't want to see a GOP civil war. Kevin McCarthy is a <laughs> he's a deep state cuck. God, no doubt. He is he is the biggest bag of shit. This is a guy, Mike Pence, Paul Ryan, Kevin McCarthy, Mitch McConnell, Nancy Pelosi, and Chuck Schumer are the ones that architected January 6th. Absolutely. Every single one of them committed treason. Let me say it again. Every single one of them committed fucking treason. And what I'm what I'm really getting sick of is all these mega morons that are sitting there talking about how Trump's coming back in 2024. I want somebody to explain to me how the fuck that's going to happen when they control every fucking swing state and every blue state, they control the voting. You haven't fixed Georgia. You haven't fixed Wisconsin. You haven't fixed Michigan. Arizona's completely fucked. You haven't fixed any of the swing states. How the fuck is Trump coming back? How does that work? When the people counting the votes are the same assholes that gave us 2020 and 2022. And they own the courts. Yeah. How the fuck does that work? Can you tell I've gotten a bunch of emails today? It just, (laughs) it just pisses me off to no end. I, I literally, and I've stopped, I've stopped responding to people that send me this shit. Because they can't hear fucking reason. The reality it's, it's, world, the, right? the reality is there's only one way that this ends. One way. One way. And it's through gunfire. You choose when you want that to start. Because at the end of the day, you can't legally overturn the election. Carrie Lake has spent the last year in court here. And the same judge that screwed her over the first time, it went to the Supreme Court here in Arizona. They ruled in her favor, went back to the same piece of shit judge, and they did the same shit again. And literally, I had people calling me from all over the state saying, this isn't going to go anywhere. She's been told this isn't going to go anywhere. Like, But she's going to run for Senate now, I hear. <laughs> How I, I what I don't get is why people think that 2024 is going to be any different than 2020. Those, those we haven't fixed 2020. Nobody has done a thing. That's now, right. Definition of, of insanity. Repeating the same series of events, expecting a different outcome. That's exactly what this shit is. And I literally every day, I mean every day, I get emails from people saying Trump's coming back. Okay, how is that going to happen? Are you going to will him back? Because we tried willing him back in 22 and 20, and it didn't work. So how's that going to happen? It sells a whole bunch of little bullshit trinkets. Like <laughs> my daughter. This is why I step back, though. This is exactly why I step back. It is. Because, first of all, there's no unity across any of the influencers whatsoever. And they're all fucking prima donnas, especially Ann Vandersteel. She's a fucking prima donna. And it, it, because of her, I've been, I've basically been shunned because of her because she doesn't like my quote unquote style. Well, my answer to you, Ann Vandersteel, is go fuck yourself because I don't work for you. And I, the whole your style, the whole fucking crew of them. I love your style. Lynn, and style is fucking Vandersteel and David Rodriguez and Juan O'Savin and the rest of those dipshits. 
every single one of them is causing nothing but division and 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 their disorganization. Nobody knows who to trust. Because they keep preaching Nobody. that Trump coming back bullshit. It's it's more than that. It's I'm right. You have to believe what I'm telling you. And if you don't believe what I'm telling you, then you're not in the club. Yeah, and it's definitely a it, club. It's it's retarded. Because right now, the thing that we should be doing right now is organizing in every single one of our communities, every single one of them. Because at some point in the very near future, the supply chain is going to stop. And when it stops, shit's going to stop working. And people are going to be besides themselves because they can't get their fucking Starbucks. And they can't get, I can't get gas. Well, no shit, because they ran the strategic oil supply out. And the dollar isn't worth anything, so they can't buy oil from anybody. And oh, by the way, we've sold our strategic oil supplies to the Chinese. It's it's that kind of thing that people should be paying attention to. But instead, what am I listening to? I'm listening to, well, we really don't like your style, Colonel. Now, well, go fuck yourself, because I really don't give a fuck what you like or don't like. If you like it or don't like it, I don't care if you twiddle your butthole. I don't care. There, there's a hell of a lot of people who like your style, including you. <laughs> I think shit drives it's me crazy. Exactly what's needed. Well, if, if people would just call the shit what it is and stop spending all their time trying to talk around things, like I had a conversation with a, with a uh, general officer uh, a week ago, and he was trying to say that what, what's been done in D.C. is going to be hard to prove that it's treason. And I go... Okay, let's just stop right there. I I don't know if if you've just been neutered or you handed your man card off, but you need to call this what this is. Paul Ryan, Kevin McCarthy, Mitch McConnell, and the rest of them committed treason. They removed a sitting president with a fucking coup. I don't know what you did with your man card, but you need to get your man card back and grow a dick and be in front and lead because right now they're trying to consolidate power. And you can't tell me that you don't know what this looks like having been in the military as a general officer for 33 years. You're telling me this wasn't a coup? Are you fucking kidding me? This this is the kind of shit that's... It makes me wonder... Where did all the general officers go? What what the and this is this is my challenge to all of including the CIA, because I know the CIA is listening. So let me just say this and get this out of the way. For all you CIA pricks that have called me to tell me that the CIA is really working for the American people, here's my challenge to you. You take me into a classified environment, because I'm cleared. I'm I'm, I'm Sapsar. I've got fucking high clearance. You read me in and you show me that you're actually working for the American people. And I'll say something positive about you. Otherwise, you can fuck off because you haven't done anything to kick the Chinese out of this country. And don't tell me that you're working for the American people because I don't see a fucking thing you're doing other than fucking the American people. And the same goes with with you, Jen Easterly at CISA. When this is over, I'm going to make sure you fucking hang for treason. Personally, going to make sure you hang for treason. That's exactly it. Where where are the spooks that we had 50 years ago that actually worked 
in favor and, and their, their ultimate, you know, their ultimate accountability was to what makes this country stronger and better. It, it, they had no accountability to individuals. It was to the country. Well, That's when, good you, when you swear the oath, right? You swear the, you swear, you swear, um, you swear your oath to support and defend the constitution, the document, I, I, right? Against, the document and the principles behind the document. Against enemies, foreign and foreign and domestic. I remember the oath. Yeah, <laughs> but I don't get it. I don't see them defending the Constitution against the domestic enemies. No, at all. And, and, and all I see, and all I see is I see the I see the agency working with China mm-hmm. and with with oligarchs and global interests. And look, I would love to be wrong. In fact, I, I challenge the CIA to show me that I'm wrong. And and I I guarantee you they won't they won't show up because my my experience with the CIA was always the same in in, in twenty five fucking years of dealing with them it's always the same shit you got a room full of intelligence people you're trying to solve a problem and you go around the room and at this point we we're trying to do we we're we we're trying to decide do we conduct a cyber attack against a certain com- country and take out their capabilities because it's an act of war. So we're going around the table. We're talking about options, right? NSA's got their option. You know, the co- combat commanders got their options. The FBI doesn't do shit. You've got the, you know, you've got the uh, DHS guys that usually don't know shit. And then he gets gets around to all the branches and the and the service branches all have attack capabilities. They're like, yeah, we can do this. We can do this. We can do this. Gets the CIA. CIA says no. No what? No, you can't do it. No, you don't have the capability. Just no. So that's that every every time I dealt with them, every time, always the same experience. And when they get up and brief what their capabilities are, it's it's always this insufferable arrogance of we do shit better than everybody else. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, if I had a pile of money too, we could be, I could do some pretty amazing things. A pile of money with you don't have to tell anybody what you're doing with the pile. Yeah. They can do whatever they want, and they were they play both sides of the fence, right? So and with baseline accounting, they get a raise next year. <laughs> well, and, and so anyway, I had this long conversation this week with with uh, I don't know if he's a former or still a spook, but I assume he's still a spook, trying to tell me the CIA is working in the background to try and write the ship. I'm like, yeah, go fuck yourself. You know, you guys aren't doing shit. If you were, you you, you would be. People that need to, to need to be liquidated would be liquidated right now. And you can start with Chuck Schumer. And we might have guys, an election. Well, they, no. they don't, they don't, you know, they're, they're not supposed to right. operate on U.S. soil. Right. Yeah. But so they moved everything overseas along with CISA so they could monitor elections from overseas. Jesus. The amount of bullshit that comes out of that place. They, they're better at generating bullshit. Than they are doing anything. These guys aren't these. That's a, that's the thing that's that's um, that kills me about this is that I have these conversations off and on, you know, um, throughout throughout the year with different people. Some people I haven't talked to forever, and it's the the folks that are still in the system. They're they're doing one of two things. They're either hunkered down and they're trying to stay 
under the radar till they get their retirement, which I don't, I don't understand why you're doing that. Because if they crash the dollar, you're not getting a retirement. If they, if they crash the government, there's no, there's no pension. There's no social security. There's no, there's no uh, Medicaid. There's no Medicare. There's no welfare. There's none of that. The dollar's dead. The dollar's dead. And if we stop being the reserve currency, that means the value of the dollar, which isn't backed by anything, is zero. Yeah, and go on the toilet. Where do you think that's going to be? We've talked about that before on the show. Is these people, the 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 true believers, the ones that are bringing China in and bringing them along and feeding them information, they actually believe they're going to be part of the ruling class when this, when it happens. Yeah. They're called useful idiots. And what happens is they get liquidated as soon as they consolidate power. Oh, what kills me is anybody in Washington, DC, anyone that thinks that you're going to make a deal with China, you're going to sell state secrets to China and China somehow is going to give you a seat at the table when they consolidate power is mind boggling to me because China has enough people that just part of their population they can occupy the U.S. and Europe without even breaking a sweat. No. So why would you make a deal with a country that could occupy your entire country without breaking a sweat and not not even think twice about it? That's that's the part that's mind-boggling to me. Is that and this is the arrogance? They they think they can manage all of these these different players. Right. So the first, it was the threat of nuclear war. Okay. The nuclear, the nuclear threat is, is still there, but they're having a harder and harder time trying to sell the bullshit nuclear war now. So what are you going to do next? Just short of dropping a bomb on Moscow, which they could still do if they get desperate enough. I think these people would actually be dumb enough to do it. But just short of that, the question really becomes, what are they going to do next? Because whatever they do next, if it fails, the entire government fails with them. We're already we're already starting to look. I'll use Arizona as a perfect example. No one, no one. Let me say it again. No one, not one. Trusts, respects, or believes Katie Hobbs is the governor of Arizona. No one believes that Chris Mays or Adrian Fontas is the AG or the Secretary of State. No one, none of the voters, none of their base believes that they're in charge. None, no one believes it. So here we are going with this is if if the elite fail at their next attempt for the big fat claim, the big fat show, I guarantee you that people are going to marginalize and ignore the federal government. They're already starting to do it. The mass noncompliance will be everybody in the states saying, We're, we want you out. We want every federal agency out of our state. We want every federal agent out of our state. We want every single federal operative, operative out of our state. We will do it ourselves. And then you will see the states either secede, which Texas will be first, and then you'll see the federal government completely isolated and no one pays attention to them, completely marginalized. That's where I think this is going. Because everything that they've done has been a clown show. We're a laughing stock to everybody on the planet right now. So, I, you should you should see the state of Minnesota. We're in lockstep with the communists. I mean, absolutely. The, 
No, Minnesota you guys, you're does. run by communists. Hey, yes. Openly communists. Full on communism happening up in the state of Minnesota. I, I just, I, it sickens me because without the core Minneapolis, St. Paul, the rest of the state is fairly reasonable people. Which and, means what? Which means the, the state's going to try and enforce some bullshit edict. Like this is going to, so this is either going to start one of three ways. Eh, four ways. The first one is one of the states is going to go after Second Amendment, and they're going to push way too far, overstep way too far, which and the gunfire is going to start. They have already done it. I'm just waiting for the gunfire to start. The, Number the, two, it's gone way over. The feds, the feds overreach, and they do, they do something stupid like Ruby Ridge, and they go after somebody that's a two A person, or they start a nuclear war, or they lose control of the financial system and the financial system spins out of control and people can't get their money out of the bank. I guarantee you gunfire will follow. And one of those four scenarios is going to play out this year. I mean, what's funny is hearing Doug McGregor saying, we're not going to make it to 24. I'm like, I can swear you were listening to my syrups because <laughs> I've said this now since 20, I said this in August of 22. We are not making it to 24. I don't know why anybody thinks we are, but we are not. So uh, is your comment section blowing up? Because Well, yeah, a little bit. Or, you know, people are tired of the devolution. I'm getting that. And uh, I don't know what Five Eyes loophole is, but. <laughs> so Five Eyes is, uh, it's the in, um, intelligence cooperation between the U.S. and the allies, right? Canada, oh. Australia. Yeah, it's it's intelligence, right? So Five Eyes is is it's a way that we um, disseminate information that's um, not uber classified, but um, classified up to TS, and it's been around for a long time. We really consolidated that framework um, during the the Iraq War, and we we spent a lot of money on infrastructure so we could share information. So that's what they're talking about. Oh, okay. Yeah, the the, the- Everybody is tired of the Q nonsense, the devolution, the Trump is in charge, the, the military is in charge, and Trump's got all the evidence and all that nonsense that people continue to spew. Like you said, the club, you know, they want to continue that narrative because they've gotten somewhat successful shows as a result of spewing the nonsense. Well, so it's they, a business, right? It's a they business. Stick with and, it. and the part that's the, the, the piece of it that gets under my skin is what the country needs right now is it needs a leader to say, this is what we're doing. And it's not Trump. I, I, I don't have anything against Trump. I just don't think Trump is what everybody thinks he is. Like this, this nonsense where they made him a deity or he's a messiah and he's a five, 5d chess player. He might be all those things, but if he was really in charge, why would he still be talking about warp speed? Why would he still be talking about pharmaceuticals? If 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 it was me and I was Trump and they were fucking me like they're fucking him right now, I could tell you what I would do. I'd go to these rallies. I'd be like Ross Perot. Okay, here's the deal. Pharmaceuticals, they're fucking you. Here's how they're fucking you. Exactly. They came up with this in 2015. They pushed this shit through Fort Detrick. It went to Wuhan. The Chinese architected this thing. 
while the pharmaceuticals were making these toxic vaccines, these four or five belly buttons are the guys that did it all. Here's what they did. I mean, think about it. If you're going to go, if you're going to be crucified anyway, which is what supposedly is happening to him and DOJ is going after you. I I would absolutely drop the doomsday tapes if I had them. And more importantly, why would I allow this to go on? Especially with the, the amount of sudden unexplainable deaths that have occurred just in the last 12 months. If I was in charge, I would not allow that to continue. I would, I would literally, this is what I would do. I would, I would pick up the red phone. I would call the commander of the 82nd airborne. And I would say, you're going to get your entire fucking division on the streets in Andrews air force base. You got 12 hours to get here. You put every swinging dick in the Congo on that airplane with a rifle. You bring them up here, and I'm going to give you a list of people to start arresting. You arrest everyone. And then I want armed guards to escort every single one of them down to Gitmo. And then we are going to beat the shit out of them until they tell us who the belly button in Europe is behind this. And then as soon as we figure out who that is, I want a tactical fucking nuclear weapon on that guy's house. The moment they tell me who it is. I don't care if it's a Rothschild. I don't care if it's Macron. I don't care if it's Prince or King Charles. If he's the guy behind all this, I want a tactical nuclear weapon on his head. Ashes, right? Take care of it right right now. This, that's what That should have happened a year ago if Trump was in charge. This nonsense around, we have to conduct this big psyop yeah. to make sure the enemy's drawn out so we know. No. You know they're, who the bad guys are. They're you know drawn the out already, are. right? Yeah. Those this, people are out. I would not allow this to continue. Period. End of story. Full stop. This, this bullshit that Trump's in charge and that, it, first of all, if people knew what a clusterfuck FEMA was, they wouldn't be having this conversation. FEMA is a complete cluster. They always have been. Oh, yeah. And, and, and I was, you know, I was being nice on Patel's show. But this, so this, if you read the Devolution series. I have. I think it's part two where he's talking about the Chinese spy. Yes. I don't know any, I know no one. My whole team tried to figure out if that guy was real. No one could prove that the guy was real or even existed. And yet, that's a key part of devolution. The next part was executive orders. You know what happened as soon as, as Biden, the entire regime, took office or Obama's third term? They literally superseded every single executive order that Trump wrote. He, R1. Yeah. yeah, Biden signed what, 37 or 45? I can't remember. 51. The 51, 51 executive within the first one. month. 50 well, executive orders. Day one, I know he signed his wrist off. Well, he didn't sign it. Jill signed one. it. Obama <laughs> signed it. Susan Rice signed it. Yeah. The point is, is that all of the, the plan didn't survive first contact with the enemy. And I, and I said to him, I tried to tell him, the enemy gets a vote in this. And the enemy's going to vote to do as much as they can to legalize the criminality. That's what they're doing. Oh, yeah. All the, time. The, the, the part of this that's amazing to me is 
when when they took the 22 election, I said, this is what they're going to do. They're going to come in. They're going to talk about election reform. Stephen Richter, the redheaded stepchild, Adrian Fontes, the cartel lawyer, are going to talk about election reform. But all they're going to do is institutionalize cheating. And then they're going to bring in a bunch of people to replace the board of supervisors that are believers. And all they're going to do is stack every single counting center with people that they can control so that they can control the numbers and the votes. So they, I don't think they counted on the uh, the Senate using plenary authority to get get rid of the machines. We'll see how far that goes because I don't I don't have any use for anybody in the Senate, especially Ben Toma. That that's another that's another piece of shit that is going to go to Gitmo when this is over. But I I I made a promise to to the the people in Washington State that before this is over, I'm personally going to escort Jay Inslee to Gitmo, him, his wife, his daughter. They're all going to get Mo. Now he may have an unfortunate accident being ejected from turbulence from the helicopter at a certain oh, altitude. Right outside. But he's at least going to make the attempt to get down there. But you know, I don't know if we can bring him to Gitmo. The, the Chinese are building a base down there and they've got a you know a spy thing on us in Cuba. That's you, fine. That's fine. We'll use the uh the, the Havana syndrome on everybody that's in Gitmo. <laughs> we'll just move the guards back far enough so they don't get hit by those waves, and we we'll use it on everybody else. They can do the funky chicken for the rest of their lives. We'll just feed them Gerber, give them a bib, and they can do their own thing. Have at it. Oh my God! I, you know, that, that is one of the first things I do in a socialist regime, though. When they take over, like we are seeing right now, the the socialists are taking over. They they're trying to. They're they trying try to. to put on this sheen of legality. That, that everything they're doing is legal and we're going through the courts and we're, you know, we're signing into law. These things, like you said, legalize the cheating. It, they, they just try to legitimize, uh, legitimize it. And mm-hmm. it, it makes the appearance for the, the common everyday working American that comes home and watches the five o'clock news. It's like, oh, well, yeah, there's nothing wrong. It's all legal. Everything's legal. Well, there's no problem here. We we got here because people were complacent and people are comfortable and they want to keep everybody comfortable until they can consolidate power. The problem with that aspect right now is that people are getting more and more uncomfortable because the cost of goods, the cost of food, cost of energy is is going up to the point. But more importantly, the cost of rent and housing has gone to the point where it's priced people out of the market. When people can't feed their kids when they can't they can't rent an apartment or they can't rent a house i guarantee you you're going to start seeing get people they're not going to get involved you're just going to see people quietly disappearing and showing up in gutters and rivers and all kinds of stuff because this country has not seen strife they've not seen struggle in 200 years nope and because of that nobody even knows what sacrifice really means and until they do, until they lose, again, you got to hit rock bottom before you start and decide you're going to make a change. That's where a lot of people are. They're they're bordering on rock bottom right now, and they're trying to decide, what am I going to do if I can't feed my kids? I, I and, just saw a stat the other day that in the last five years, the cost to get into a new home, you know, like the money you would need to buy an average four-person home went from 50000 to 100000 just just like to get into a, a normal, almost starter home, maybe a little bit more than a starter, but 
It, you need that kind of funding. It doubled over the last five years. My, my kid bought a, uh, not even a thousand square foot house that was built in the thirties. And it needed a ton of work, half a million dollars. And it's not exactly in one of the nicest neighborhoods and literally a half a million dollars. I don't know anybody in their twenties that can take a half a million dollar loan and be okay. It's when you're paying and rent, rent is like three to 3,500 a month for a three bedroom house. I don't know anybody that can afford that unless they're both working and you're both, you know, you're both doing two jobs then you could possibly do it. At some point, the American public is going to get very uncomfortable. And when they do, that's when they're going to come together. And I've been trying to, I've been trying to get people to just get involved in your community. Go, go after the school boards, go after the city councils, show up in mass because the, the, the city, like Tucson, Tucson's a perfect example. Everybody on that city council is a flaming communist. Every single one of them. The board of supervisors down there, communists. And if people showed up in mass to every single one of their meetings and basically shouted them down like the left does, right. a lot of this stuff would stop. They're all bullies. You just got to get in their face and punch them right in the fucking nose. And I guarantee you that they will back down. But the problem is, I got to work. I, I, I've, I've got to take my kids exactly. to soccer. I've got to take my, I've got to take my kids to swimming lessons. People on the right don't go and shout down that's exactly those why. idiots. We don't. You know? And that's so the problem. Honestly think they're like, Oh, well, nobody is coming out against me. You know, all these lefties are coming out in support of me because they don't need a job. They just come and yeah, support we're us. Past, well, the left pays all their activists. Let's just right? call spade a spade. BLM and Tifa. They were all on the payroll. All those activists you see in DC that are shouting down centers, they're all on the payroll. The left pays all of their activists. The so right does not do people that. People actually think that they have public support, that they have the majority yeah. of people agree with them. They actually believe that crap. Yeah. Well, that's a narrative, right? So the, the point is, is, and I've been asking this for two years, what, what is your line in the sand? Because we're past the point of writing a strongly worded letter or some kind of a really, you know, a viral meme. Nobody gives a shit anymore. They, they don't care. Don't. We're, we're, this only ends one way. Literally, it only ends one way. And, and, you know, my nephew's sick. I'm nuts. Oh, that's fine. I think I'm nuts. I'm crazy until I'm not. And yeah. when I'm not crazy, I'm just going to be sitting back going, okay, here's what we're doing next. Uh, that's, that's just the way it's going to go. Do you see this, uh, the ruling in the, what was it? Uh, Missouri versus Biden with the uh, censorship ruling that came out here this week. You see that help? It's like the disinformation bureau. What did they do with that? They publicized it. They brought in a clown. And then as soon as the clown was booed off the stage, what did they do? They rebranded it and they moved it under DHS. They, or just they moved it under the intelligence order. agencies. So nobody could see it, right? That's exactly what they're going to do. That's the danger in this. So first of all, let me just, just level set expectations here. I don't give a fuck what the Supreme Court says. I don't give a fuck what the courts say anymore. Courts are all compromised. The Supreme Court's compromised. I mean, 
the biggest election fraud in the history of our country occurred in 2020. And the Supreme Court wouldn't even hear the Texas case that had standing. Yep. And you're telling me that the Supreme Court is going to rule on um, censorship and the government's going to go along with it. Okay. <laughs> okay. I can see they're you're just going to this ruling. <laughs> they're just going to rebrand it and they're going to move it under something else and call it something else. The danger in everything that happened since Obama came to office, and this goes way back to even Bush one and even Reagan. When they established public private partnerships, they were able to bring in private companies to do the dirty work under a public-private partnership that was completely absconded from any kind of FOIA requests or information information sharing. And because they did that, they've been able to create all these different subversive organizations within the federal government that are through a third party that are completely privatized, that no one has access to, and they're just going to rebrand it under a privatized name, call it something else like the Center for Liberty and Diversity, and they're going to censor the shit out of everybody else. That's all they're going to do. Like, doesn't it tell you something that Facebook is trying to, to mirror Twitter now? Let's just say for argument's sake that Elon Musk isn't a, a, a psychopath shitbag that's that's trying to rule the world with AI and space-based assets. Let's just say for a minute he's not a shitbag and that he's really the savior of free speech. Doesn't it tell you something that Facebook, who's still highly controlled by the CIA, still highly controlled by the liberals and the left and the oligarchs, is trying to mirror Twitter? because they've lost the cultural narrative. Doesn't that tell you something that should tell you that they've lost the cultural narrative and they don't know what to do to get it back. So instead of trying to create a new platform and draw people to it, no, we're going to go copy Twitter because Twitter ultimately wants to be WeChat, which is what anyone, anyone Chinese. Yes. That's China's, but Twitter is going to sue meta over their new threads app. I think they should fight it out. I think we should put some nails and baseball yes, bats. Absolutely. Put those two shit bags in a in a ring at one of those uh ultimate fighting cages with a couple of bats with spikes in it. And whichever one of those dipshit comes out owns the platform. And then we shut it down summarily. That's what that's what we mean. Just let them beat the shit out of each other. But Musk's mama said he couldn't do that. I don't. <laughs> she said Satan couldn't do that, really? Yeah. I I don't know. I guess she's scared because what uh, what's his guts? Zuckerberg is some ninja or something. He's got martial arts training, I guess. Give him 45s. <laughs> one round. <laughs> 10 paces. Spin the, spin, the, spin the cylinder. Both of them keep pulling the trigger until the first one drops. We can only hope. Oh, my God. I Make just, it interesting. Those, any of those social media platforms, I just, uh, I can't, you feel dirty just opening the app, right? It's, no, well, they're highly controlled. That's a, that's a thing, right? They're highly controlled. Telegram, my numbers on Telegram have been steadily declining for the last year and a half. Mm-hmm. Steadily declining. And there's no rhyme or reason for it. My numbers on on um, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, even Amazon are growing exponentially. I have people listening to me all over the planet, literally all over the planet. and. Yeah. The amazing part about it is I, I have maybe 3,000, 3,500 followers left on, on Telegram. 
and you're telling me that they're not throttling the numbers. And what's funny is uh, David uh, Rodriguez came out last week and said, what is going on with Telegram? I'm losing I, thousands of people every single day. I was wondering the same thing. Telegram has it literally just nosedived. It, it's almost they're throttling that they're throttling the accounts that are patriots. They're trying to push people off. It's almost crickets. No, it's just, it's, they're doing the same shadow banning they were doing before on Twitter. They've just moved it to Telegram now. Like I said, they just rebrand it, call it something else and move it, move it underground. That's exactly what they're doing on Telegram. And, and I hate Telegram anyway, because I think it's a toxic shithole. No, wait, let me say it right. It's a toxic fuckhole that should have been shut down early, early on in 2020, but it survived somehow. I, I, I True social is not much better. True social is I get to a certain number of followers and then I wake up the next morning and they're cut in half. Like well, I had, I had, you're, uh, not a, you're not a Trump guy. I'm telling I, I had like 6,000 followers one day and then the next day I had like 3,000 and <laughs> now I'm down to like 2,000. And look, I know I piss people off, but I didn't piss that many people off. Just saying. <laughs> and I'm working hard at it too. I'm working. Angelica is calling. You want to talk to her? Sure. All right, hang on. Let me bring her on board here. Hello? Hey, Angelica. Hey. You you caught us in time. You're on with uh, yeah. myself and Steve. Yeah, we literally are at some national park where there's like no cell phone towers, and we were waiting for our uh, service to come back in. <laughs> awesome, awesome. So you, you're driving through the middle of nowhere. Steve's on board. Say hi. Hey, Steve-O. Hey, hey, guys. How's it going? I was just ranting about uh, Telegram. I, I you missed out. I was, able to pull up, I was able to pull up the show, and I, all I heard was toxic fuckhole. <laughs> yep. Well, before that, I heard you say that um, <laughs> it must have been one of the family members that brought the coke into the wild. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> I mean, let's face it. I mean... Biden brings in a whole new definition of hookers and blow. I mean, the guy has redefined what that really means. It is well, Ho, Ho Harris has got to have some company. Well, it's hard to have a conversation with somebody whose ankles are always pointing at the ceiling. <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> Yeah. That's exactly why we love having you on stage. Just saying. <laughs> well, I, I hope you guys have a safe drive back. It was it's glad to I was glad to finally actually meet you guys in person and uh um you know have a real conversation that didn't involve a microphone. Just saying. Oh, we lost. <laughs> my question to you is you're a you're a pilot, right? How is it that you can't come down here and you're a pilot? You, you, well, I could. You fly for an airline. Yes. You're like You could like get on a plane tomorrow and come down and do lunch and I could. without even breaking a sweat. <laughs> I'm busy all week setting this thing up. And Angelica and Jesse, they just come rolling in, sit down. We do the show. Okay. And so they, I'm going to call bullshit on that, too. <laughs> because... Airline pilots, my, my buddy that was an airline pilot, he flies for, uh, I think he flies for Alaska. He works like seven days a month, eight days a month. And then he hits 
crew rest, mandatory crew rest. God, what a Packers schedule. I, you know what though? I'm really, really upset. They're talking about moving the retirement age from 65 to 67. So I got two more extra years. That's terrible. It is just terrible. You have to fly for another two years. When I got into this thing, they told me I could retire at 60. And then they said, no, no, 65. Now so it's, let me let me get this straight. I'm never going to get to retire. Let me let me get this straight because I'm a pilot. So just let me just let me get this straight. You're having a hard time staying on and having somebody else pay for your flying, right? Which, by the way, <laughs> is not really that hard because you upload the flight plan. Somebody else takes care of the airplane. Oh no no! Somebody else. Somebody I have else to does type all the, in the flight plan myself. Oh my God! I have to put all the, the weight, weight of that USB stick that you plug into the plane is. Oh it's no! Got to be unbearable. Literally, type. We have to type in the identifiers each. Oh my God! All the way along the route of flight. Wow! So and then if we're doing ETOPS, Steve, I have to put in the the ETOPS entry point, the the point of no return. I there's all kinds of crap you got to do. And oh it's all- my God! It's terrible. It's just a first world problem. It is. Somebody else is paying for your flying. Are you flying any of the white legs? Yeah. Are you flying any of those? I have not done that in a number of years, but yes, I have done Hawaii. I, I got to tell you, you know, I, I flew, uh, who did we fly out there last time? I used to fly Alaska out there all the time, right? Because you a 3.7 is a nice ride. And the 3.7, 700, 3.7, the 800, 700, or 800, 900s are long airplanes. 700 is a nice airplane. fast, right? I, when they started flying uh, ETOPS and they started flying that route, I, I loved it, right? Because you weren't on this big, massive, wide-body airplane. It was a smaller airplane. And the flight's about five and a half, six hours. And, and I flew that. I just flew that this year. And I flew it with Southwest. And, you know, I was not a Southwest guy ever. Right. Because it's the whole cattle call thing with here's your number. You gotta you gotta log in early and that all that horse shit. But I figured out the game and how to do it, right? So you pay for the business select, you get your, your first boarding number, you take your bags on, you sit down, you find the seat you want. Actually, not a bad ride. You oh, know, yeah. it's and, nice. you know, I they've before COVID. It was a great ride because you could drink the whole way over there. If you're up in first class in Alaska, it was perfect, right? They feed you. Food's pretty good. Then you drink the whole way there. Drink the whole way back. It's beautiful, right? I Southwest. I the drinking part, a, but yeah. It's a, well, for you, it's like six. I'd like more coffee. My God, yes. And make sure there's double creamer. My God. And, yeah. yeah, yeah. But, you know, you're having a hard time with somebody that's going to pay for your flight. I just... Just I just want you to know the shit's expensive because you know the annual, the aircraft, the fuel, the consumables, the the shit that breaks on the plane. The cheap part is really pricey. The the part of owning an airplane is buying it. Yeah, well, you know that the thing I liked about aircraft ownership was the flexibility it gives you, because you know when I what having an airplane that can do distance. Like, I, you know, I did the Cessna thing because my kids wanted to fly and then they didn't want to fly as soon as I got the airplane, which kind of kills me. 
but you know that was that was actually the Cessna was actually fun flying because you're just tooling around and you're going places takes you a little longer so it forces you to look out the window and That's not right. get absorbed, absorbed in the instruments but having a longer you know longer range like a beach where you can do seven eight hundred miles it's just it's bladder time right what's your right. what's your endurance in the bladder and once you figure that out then you start plotting your you can you can fly anywhere like I flew from uh I flew from here to uh either Albuquerque I can't remember it was Albuquerque or Denver in a in a Cirrus and you know it's five six hours two fuel stops going up there but you know it's real flying yeah that that's nice I I do miss the GA side of things a little bit I I just I haven't been in a general aviation aircraft in many years and I I should probably do that to kind of reacquaint myself with real flying you know it's it's expensive it's got the consumables are really expensive but um that was that was the one thing hopefully we'll get back to this as a country it was we were the only place on the planet that really had affordable flying that was safe right because we had we have all the we had all the right regulations in place we had all the right um let's just put it we had all the right um different organizations to support that i hope we get back to that so i i don't miss owning an airplane because it was it's gotten it got really expensive I mean, right now, gas is what six bucks a gallon. It's you insane. Put ninety gallons of gas on an airplane, three you know three or four times on a trip. That's you know. I, my father-in-law had a uh, what was that? The SNC for he could just put regular car gas in unleaded car. Oh, gas. Oh, low gas. Yeah, yeah. low gas. Yeah, that was nice. We just bring some five-gallon cans with us and fill up and. Because yeah, if you still buy MoGas at the airport, it's still going to be five bucks a gallon. But yeah. <laughs> it, it was great. We just bring our own gas, and yeah, I could fly. Uh, uh, my my Cessna was a fifty seven, so I could fly eighty 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 uh, eighty eighty five, or uh, and then I could fly hundred low lead. And I, you know, if I wanted to, I could run boat gas in the damn thing. I had guys that ran boat gas in airplanes, and some of their float planes. I, I flew this float plane back from. Uh, I think it was Camel River. Damn thing had boat gas in it. I'm like, what the hell is that smell? I got out of some boat gas. <laughs> I'm like, surprised I didn't die. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, the plugs might have been a little fouled when you got home, but they'd be all right. <laughs> yeah. Just pull them out and clean them. They're fine. Yeah. I, it's, the, the interesting thing about right now, though, in our society is we're seeing, we're seeing the moral fiber of our society falling apart, especially the, through the the trans stuff is just one thing right so the trans stuff is um that's narratives that being pressed to to, to get people to believe that they want to castrate themselves a bulk of the population doesn't believe in it anyway and we're seeing be as a side you know uh what do you call it a second or third order effect from that we're seeing this other um subgroup starting to create and the, the 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 gender lines are starting to um, solidify now, to where you're seeing there's there's groups that are coming back to Christianity. There's groups that are coming back to religion. There's groups that are coming back to the family. It's having the opposite effect of what they're trying to push. And I think where it all broke down was the fact that people started realizing they're telling me in every show, TV, radio, podcast 
that family means X, but that's not what a family is to me. And so people are starting to gravitate the other way. Like I said, the pendulum is starting to move the other way. And when it gets to the other side, you're going to see a lot of things that you've probably never seen before. And what people I, are going to be very uncomfortable when that happens. Just saying. I was very, very thankful to see. I don't know if you've seen the uh, the push over the July 4th here. The, the Sound of Freedom. Have you heard of that movie yet? Yeah. Yeah. So it shows, it shows, I'm glad it finally came out. I don't like the guys who, on July 3rd. I and, don't like the guys who put it together because Juan O'Savin's got his name attached to that, but it shows, it shows the insidious side of human trafficking. It, it, it was a wonderful movie. Yeah. It doesn't show you some of the atrocities that they do to children. It should, probably shows you some of that, but it doesn't show you some of the stuff I've seen. And it, but what I loved about this is it's actually getting into the public. It's creeping. People were very excited to go see this movie. I mean, come on. Number they, one movie in the, it's number one movie in the country right now. Yeah. I mean, number the numbers one. are incredible. The movie theater I went to was sold out, absolutely sold out. And I'm not in a big town. Um, yeah. It, yeah. I was really happy to see that. I think you're right. The, the pushback is coming. We're seeing the pushback in, in all areas of this, right? The stupid Ben and Jerry's tweet over the 4th of July that we're all on stolen land. Well, the immediate comeback to them was, hey, give your land, your factories back to the, the indigenous people then. If you're going to, people are pushing back on this stuff. Yeah. And yeah. I, and, I, and I, here's what I, what I hope comes out of this. And this is something that uh, I think we've talked about once or twice before. Something I hope comes out of this is I hope people realize that this problem is bigger than what they're portraying in the movie. This problem is it infects every single institution in our society. And the elite are addicted to children, addicted to children. It is, it is an addiction. It is not a fetish. It is not a sexual preference. This is an addiction. And they have, they have set up these vast networks to transport, to harvest, and to sell children. And this movie just scratches the surface of that. I want that. I want people to see what these people do in red rooms. I want, I, I want to make sure that everybody in this country can't fucking look away. They have to see, just like what happened in World War II, which I guess Roseanne Barr doesn't think the Holocaust ever happened. Okay, whatever. Um, but I want people to see what they've been doing to children for decades. This has been going on for at least three generations. Only now they've, they've made it mainstream, but more importantly, they've turned this into an industrialized business. That's how pervasive this shit is. And they're trying to normalize it. Well, they're trying to make minor attracted people, a.k.a. pedophiles. Yeah. They're trying to legalize that. They've already lowered the age of consent in San Francisco to like 13. They're trying to lower the age of consent to make it okay. That's that. Remember what I said about institutionalizing the cheating? They're institutionalizing the, the harvesting of children. That's make, what they're trying to do. Make it legal to be a pedophile. That's exactly what they're trying to do. We, my, my question is, when is the first mom going to shoot one of these guys for raping their child? 
because I could tell you what I, I could tell you exactly how I had a visceral reaction when, you know, an 18 year old was trying to go after a 14 year old in my family. I had a visceral reaction to it. Like, yep. why are you letting a 14 year old hang out with an 18 year old? That only that story only ends one way. And my ex-wife was looking at me like, what is wrong with you? And I'm like, I tell you what's wrong with me. This is this is inappropriate in every way, shape, and form. And this, you're going to let a 14-year-old go hang out with an 18-year-old alone. Yeah, no doubt where that's going. Yeah. And, and it, it turns out that the guy got somebody knocked up that was underage. Go figure. So Surprise, I, surprise. <laughs> I, but my point is, I'm hoping that the pendulum swings the other way. And one of these moms that has a kid that's deeply traumatized by a predator loses her shit and executes them on national TV. That's what it's going to take to get people to wake up and realize. And Carrie Lake posted something yesterday on, on true social where she said, you know, why aren't they talking about Epstein? And I responded to her and said, it's because everybody's complicit or involved. Every name, you know, every Hollywood actor, Every politician, every police chief, every single one of them is involved in this. That's why nobody's been arrested, because it would out everyone in the federal government, everybody in the state government, everybody in business. And it should tell you something that Morgan Stanley settled out of court over Epstein. Right. Because who funded the guy? Somebody had to fund his operation. Who do you think that was? Where do you think the money came from? That. Island was set up purely to make sure they had dirt on everyone, right? Yeah, but that island was set up to feed the addiction to children and leverage it as an intelligence operation to compromise anybody in power so that they could dictate what happens not only at the national but the international level. Absolutely. That was an intelligence operation run by CIA and Mossad. At least that's how I see it. I don't think it was Russian intelligence. That was a central intelligence agency and MI6 and Mossad working together to compromise people. And they had everybody. They Absolutely. Had, they had everybody. They, they still look at how many, look at how many times Bill Clinton went on Epstein's plane to the Island 27 times. Yeah. The low 11 times with underage girls and no secret service agents, 11 times that we know of. But he was strictly going down there to discuss foreign policy. Sure. <laughs> so, anyway, I, I, any, do we have any questions for the audience before we wrap this thing up? Because we should probably uh, wrap yeah. this thing up. Somebody was talking over here, talking about the sound of freedom, uh, is pushing all churches to push this movie. Support of safe places. God's children aren't for sale. I couldn't agree more. Uh, and Jesse and Angelica were talking about there over on my other comment section on Facebook here. They've witnessed the demoralization of the children with all the kids that were in Vegas. Have you noticed that? Have you gone to Vegas? Noticed all the kids there? Well, it's normalization, right? So they're trying to normalize the sexualization of children. They're putting them in highly sexualized environments. They're putting highly sexualized content in front of them. They're putting them in, in this, this, the drag queen story hour, whatever that thing is, that the whole point of that is to normalize sexualization of children, little children. And people don't realize that 
it's the little children they're targeting. It's not the teenagers. They've already, they, they've had the teenagers with Instagram and Facebook. Just Jesus, just go look at Snapchat, Snapchat and Instagram. I mean, if you go again, this is a, this is the result of a highly effective information operations campaign. They started out back at when Facebook came out, 2007, 2008. They yeah. started out with, let's put your, let's put your life and what you're doing online. People Everything. are really interested. They want to know what you're doing. Right. So then you had, you had a whole generation of people like, okay, I'm going to the bathroom now. Okay. I'm making a pie. Okay. I'm, I'm going to the bathroom again, you know, and then it metamorphosized into Instagram and YouTube and um, Vimeo and there's VSCO. There's a bunch of different sites that came out of that. And what it did was created a generation that started building these online personas that were not real. And then right around 2012, 2013, those online personas became an addiction. And you had people that were managing their online persona more than they were participating in society. At the same time that was happening, they were normalizing the sexualization of younger and younger children, exposing them to more sexualized content. Movies like Lolita came out all at the same time. Do you think that was a coincidence? Do you think it's a coincidence that they've published five or six movies just in the last 10 years that have had content where an underage girl is having sex with a middle-aged or older man? And the oh, whole yeah. content of the movie is about that relationship and how it's true love. And it's and okay. love has no age or boundaries. And, it, and it's okay. This is not weird. This is not that that's the whole premise of the story is it's okay to do that's, this. They were doing all of this. It was a concerted effort that started way back in 2004, 2005. It started way back then and it slowly got more and more sexualized over time. And it should also tell you that, like, I was watching uh, Jack Ryan the other day on Netflix, right? The first season was typical rah-rah CIA. We're getting the bad guys. We're getting the terrorists. Yep. Then season two was more of rah-rah bad guys. You know, spies are bad. Other spies, except for the CIA, are you know compromising. They're they're just trying to make a buck, but the CIA is still doing the right thing. Season three, it, it was literally the CIA is trying to stop bad guys from moving a nuclear weapon into Ukraine to start a war with Russia and small wars. Like, okay, so you just you built a script around what you're doing in Ukraine to try and make the CIA look like they're doing something. the, the point is they've created these narratives. And they've been playing these narratives now for 10 to 12 years, and they've normalized this behavior in the public space. That's yep. how they do it. They slowly normalize it over a decade or two, and they play the long game. And look at how many, and I've said this a million times, I'll say it again. Just go out to Netflix or Amazon. Look at how many dark, Luciferian, and sexualized titles are out there. Every single title has some kind of death, sexuality, zombie apocalypse, or some kind of a pandemic. It's it's that's how they reinforce the social behavior. You it's can't through, find good movies or shows nowadays. Okay, it, it's just, all it's, that crap. Yeah. Well, it's all it's all programmed content so people normalize the behavior. Decent everyone. Yeah. And I guarantee you that China is behind some of this as well. 
And China is heavily involved in this information space. And they won't even let this crap into their country to be shown. No, because they're trying to destabilize us. Yeah, that's. And it makes you it makes you wonder that the part that the part that I wonder about is where are the parents of these kids? Where are the parents that that should be paying attention to what their kids are doing? Like, what kind of a parent takes their kids to a drag queen story hour where this guy's showing his junk to your three year old? What kind of a parent does that? I wouldn't do that shit. And and you see these libraries, they host this drag queen story hour, but then um, Kirk Cameron comes in, wants to read wholesome children's stories, and they won't let him. They block him from reading. Well, that's because the liberals, the liberals tip, most of the people that run education, run public services, are liberals. So it's it's not about reading to children and getting them involved in a love of reading. It is now we have to program them in reading as well. Not yeah, they're indoctrinating reading. your kids. That's what they're yeah. doing. That's the liberal agenda. Yeah. Indoctrinate your kids to normalize all these behaviors. And they've been doing it for generations. This this is this is where conservatives have literally dropped the ball for three generations. We don't, nobody wants to do those. Only liberals want to do those public service jobs, right? The, the government is the last, federal service is the last place where conservatives are still working. But for the most part, the cities, city services, any, any child, anything associated with children, they in the big city, all the way up to the state, all that apparatus is run by liberals. Every single bit of it. Very, very few states now have people in those positions that are actually conservatives or Christians. Most of them are liberals that are atheists. Most of them. Every social service you can think of. Here in Arizona. Yep. Jesus, the city of Arizona, the, the mayor of Arizona, card-carrying communist. You, you My God, she's insufferable like to listen to. Yeah. You meet them and, and they say, well, I'm a social worker. You go, oh, I know where you're at, right? All right. Yeah. You're a communist is what you are. Yeah. Um, and probably a child trafficker. Blue Oak answering your what kind of parent takes kid to a drag show? Their answer is, uh, uh, I believe it's a devoted mother looking for social acceptance. That's exactly it. They're just, they're looking for approval from outside because they don't have enough inside to say they're a good parent. So they think they're being good. Oh, we got to take our kid to expose him to this, you devoted know. Devoted mother seeking uh, acceptance. A devouring mother looking for social acceptance. Yeah, I would say, uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> I would say their priorities are all fucked up if they're taking their kid to a drag queen story. Right. You can put whatever flavor around it you want, but your priorities are fucked up if you're taking your kid there to get programmed. We just got out of Pride Month. You saw all the parents bringing their kids to this. I mean, it was vulgar nastiness. These parades, these pride parades. Why do they get a month? Exactly. Why do they get a whole month? Anybody ever ask that question? Why do they get a month? I have asked that question many times. Why I mean, look, a Black a History Month? month? Oh, I'm totally okay with Black History Month. Totally okay with it. Like, I'm totally okay with, you know, Jewish Month. I'm totally okay with, with a Muslim Month. But I'm supposed to celebrate for an entire month your sexual preferences and your bad choices. Uh, why, why do you get a month? We only celebrate the 4th of July for one day. We only celebrate Christmas for one day. Thanksgiving's one day. Why do they get a whole fucking month? Exactly. Really? Why do you get a whole fucking month? What, what are you celebrating? <laughs> I, I don't get it. 29 there's extra days. What the fuck are you celebrating? There's a Seriously, lot of black what are you history. Yeah. 
I mean, Devar- come on. A devouring mother is a codependent and consumes her children, particularly her sons, emotionally and psychologically. I guess the, the devouring mother that needs social acceptance. I did have one question here. Priorities are fucked up. You got it. The, when you put a definition around it to soften the language, guess what happens? People normalize it and say it's okay. Your priorities are fucked up. Don't take your kid to a drag queen story hour. I don't care if you're a bad mother or a dope smoking whore that's turning tricks in the living room. Don't take your kids to a drag queen story hour. Your <laughs> priorities are simple. fucked up. Pretty simple. I do have Sorry, one. I question. couldn't help. That was low hanging fruit. It is. <laughs> it's easy to see. Yeah. Uh, one question comes, and this is directly for you. You, Scott Kesterson of Bards FM, Colonel John Mills, and General Flynn all discuss taking action at the local level. Colonel John Mills predicts 50 years to retake our country. What do you think? I, John Mills is a smart dude. And he's what he, this is what he's saying, which I agree with. Even if we start today. If you peacefully want to take our country back and instill a moral compass in our country, it's going to take 50 years because you have to, you have to retake the schools. You have to retake the school boards. You have to disband the federal school system and get rid of all of the federal schools and the federal money out of the school system. That takes at least a decade to do. You have to, you have to retake the city councils. You have to retake every single board of supervisors. You have to retake the counties. That's going to take 50 years because you have to find people that are willing to do the work, willing to take the lower salary for the greater good in order for that to happen. So he's spot on that the, the whole idea of a bigger picture and, and, and getting involved in the community is that for far too long, conservatives have focused on raising their families, making money and, and doing everything but public service. If we want our country back, you have to be involved. In some way, shape, or form, all of us do, right? I When I went in the military, I went in the military not just because I wanted to wear the uniform and defend the country. I went in uniform because my moral compass said, I don't want my kids to have to wear this uniform when they're of age because I've seen two wars in my lifetime already. I don't want to see anymore. And just since I was born, there's we've had four wars, Vietnam. All the limited stuff that went on in the Middle East, which can be considered a war for the better part of 20 years, then Desert Storm 1, and then Iraq, and Afghanistan, and now Ukraine, ISIS, everything else. We, it's a if con- we want our country back, you have to step away from the keyboard and get involved in some way, shape, or form. I mean, if you look at what Trooper's doing. And you guys are going to have Troop on your show. I, I, I highly recommend you have him on the show. We are. We are because going to have Trooper. You, the, you heard it here the first time, people watching. Trooper is going to be on this show. I don't know exactly when, but it's going to be very soon. Troop is doing the, he's doing the Lord's work, right? Because he's, he's, he's servicing a segment of the homeless population that's not covered by social services, right? And there's, it's a whole subsystem and a whole culture in and of itself. Just... Just that society, it's a whole sub-society outside of our normal society of people that have been disenfranchised, drug addicts, and this is what I love about liberals. This is why they're insufferably fucking stupid, because they're all like, well, they're just, they're all drug addicts. No, they're not. You have mentally ill, you have PTSD, you have people that have been generally disenfranchised, you have people that have lost their income, they've lost, they've had some kind of a a catastrophic illness or some kind of a catastrophic um, injury. 
and they, they couldn't generate a living. And there's no safety net for them, none whatsoever. There's no safety net for the mentally ill. They're just basically, and if you've ever been in the cancer system and you've dealt with the medical system as it pertains to cancer, let me tell you, that is a money extraction machine. It is a system for extracting money out of your out of your wallet. When my when my twin brother died in 2020, he was one almost one million dollars in debt. One million dollars. And literally two years before he died, the doctor said to him, Well, your cancer's back. Chemo doesn't work on this. Radiation doesn't work on this. We can do surgery, but we're just going to be chasing tumors around your body. So pretty much you're fucked. Have a nice day. What was he supposed to do? He's deeply in debt. He can't can't possibly pay all those bills. He can't get any credit. And he couldn't, he couldn't even buy a new car. He's he had so many medical bills that gone to collections because his insurance company paid like a microcosm of that, maybe 10%. And he had really good insurance. He had Social Security, too. He had a permanent disability, and he still had a million dollars in debt. So there's people that are legitimately homeless because they got a catastrophic illness, and they they couldn't do anything. And Troop goes out there, and let me tell you, Troop goes out there every weekend, 100-degree heat, 110-degree heat. He's out there all day treating wounds with a very limited budget and a very limited amount of supplies. And he does it every single weekend because. And and let me tell you, I saw him uh, a couple of weekends ago. We were working on radios together, and um, I met him for lunch. And if you've ever been around a soldier getting ready to go into a combat zone or go outside the wire, they're completely in game mode. Their their heads already in the mission. And he walked in the door, and he was already he was already on site treating wounds, and he hadn't even got there yet. And to, to tell you the dedication for somebody like that. That's he's doing it because he saw a need. This is this is this is something he knows how to do and he's good at. He understands the culture there. He understands the people. He understands the environment. And he's very, very good at it. And then you have Brandy and her crew that are doing the food once a month. And I'm telling you, this is a significant logistical effort to do this. This is the kind of thing that we as a country need to be doing united. This is why we need to be united so that these people have a safety net and that these people don't have to go live in the fucking woods somewhere and worry about somebody stealing their shit when they pass out because they have an epileptic seizure and waking up and all their shit's gone. This is the this is the this is the kind of thing that we need to eradicate from our society. And it's going to take if we want that kind of society where we take care of everybody and we eradicate the the drug problem, we eradicate all the homeless problem, it's going to take 50 years. It will take us that long to sway all of the damage that's been done to our culture, all the damage that's been done to our society in order for us to get to that place. And that starts with guys like True. Well, that's it, where it yeah. starts. Starts with every one of us, right? We've, we've yeah. been preaching that. You've been preaching that. We've been carrying that message too holding that flag up that everybody has to do what they're good at, what they can do and, and find out. Got to do something, do something. Do something. Yes. <laughs> Whatever that is, do something. That's what it is. Yeah. So. Yeah. Oh goodness. Well, so I, I don't know. We've, we've gone through, I, I didn't even get to my stack of papers here, but my God, we've been on for an hour and a half, Steve. Can't even believe it's flown by already. Well, I talk a lot. I told Angelica just to say, I see, just shut the fuck up. 
<laughs> Please stop talking. Well, you know, it works out good. I can just hit the, the Zoom thing and then I I can sit back. <laughs> it works out. <laughs> no, no. We, yeah. I love it when you take off on your rants because the, the information you bring is unbelievable. And I, I can't. I can't even bring that much stuff. And I do a lot of reading and I try to bring a lot of material to the show, but you just naturally do it. I love it. Well, the, the thing that people need to, so the homework for the, for the crew that's still watching is number one, download and read or download and listen to on audible pawns in the game by William Carr. It, the, the book was given to me by Lieutenant Colonel Conrad. I had read parts of it before, but I never finished it. And I finished the book. It explains everything we're seeing right now to a T. Everything they're doing. Pawns in the Game by William Carr. C-A-R-R. Everybody should read that book. The second book that everybody should read is um, Killing Patton. Because it's a a book that explains why Patton was killed at the end of World War II. And it explains a lot of what's going on right now, the geopolitical environment. And then there's one more. Let me look it up here. I'm making notes here. I, I got notes going. Cause yeah, this is good stuff. I like to read and I, and I like, I'm old school. I got to have the paper, you know, I audio books. I don't know. I just, so the other one is the decline and fall of the Roman empire by Edward Gibbon. Yep. It's that's a long, it's 126 hours to listen to it. It's long. It was like three volumes when I read it. It was long, but that, that is a, uh, that is a very, very good read because it explains the fall of the Roman empire. And then the the last one that people should read. And this one I think is one that um, most people haven't even heard of. Again, another Lieutenant Colonel Conrad book. This is called when China attacks by Colonel Grant Newsham. N-E-W-S-H-A-M, Newsham. You should read that because it's 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 literally uh, a very good book that explains a lot of what's going on. The last one is Deep Survival by Lawrence Gonzalez because Deep Survival is I, I I'm a big fan of Lawrence Gonzalez because the the I read his book. It's been years ago now. So when I when I read it for the first time, and he's he's one of the first stories he uses in the book. He, First examples is he's talking about uh, flight ops on a carrier at night and how how when you go into the briefing they you know the the briefing is it's actually kind of comical if you don't get it you don't get it but if you get it you get it and it's it's pretty funny like you know afterburners on aircraft they call them blowers right so you, you got to get on the blowers and grab the towel rack. Because there's oh, a yeah. handle, the old shit bar. There's there's the, there's a handle. It literally looks like a towel rack in the F-18, and you grab the towel rack because your hands off your hands off the controls. You don't touch the fucking shoot, controls, yeah. right? You hit don't the you hit the afterburners, hit the blowers, and if you lose a blower, you punch out of the airplane. <laughs> and they talk about you know the the briefing is literally when you when you get up to the cat, get on the blowers, grab the towel rack. And if if you lose power, grab the handles. Most people wouldn't know what the hell that means. It means the handles for the ejection seat yeah. and the F-18 are between your legs. And it used to be over your head in the 14, right? Well, when it rips your arms off, you can't, can't jump, jump out of an airplane again. But if it's between your legs and you pull the handles, your arms are next to your body when you come out of the airplane. It's more of a graceful exit. Yeah. 
but and we've learned some things over the years of people throwing being thrown out of an airplane. Well, the fourteen, you had to pull that down because it would protect your head and stuff. To pull this car, the the cover down, hama hama, yeah, whatever. <laughs> anyway, the point is, is that he talks about this in the book, and he's talking about the fact that when a pilot gets in the a navy pilot gets in the airplane on the deck of a moving carrier, especially a pitching carrier, they've already accepted the fact that they're going to be in a deep shit situation if something happens to the airplane on takeoff and landing. And he uses the example to say that if you get it, you get it and you've accepted it. And once you accept the situation you're in, then you can start start making decisions that will save your life. And you can start making decisions about what you're going to do next to save your life. Most people that die in critical situations die because they're too busy complaining and not accepting the fact that we're here. Panic. Yeah. And and if you look at the homeless, if you look at the situation they're in, they've accepted the situation they're in. They've accepted it. They don't have any, they're, they're not wrapped up in shit. They're not wrapped, wrapped up in status. Social status doesn't matter. It's all deep survival. And when you look at it that way, and you see the situation for what it is, you can see why those people don't care about the things we care about. And when you, when as human beings, if, if we, if we all got back to the place where stuff didn't matter, where things weren't important, where status wasn't important, and it was us celebrating the differences between one another, this would be a different planet. We wouldn't have any of the problems we have now. I couldn't even imagine. I mean, I can't imagine that because we are so far away from it. At this well, point. we're so far away from it because we've been programmed for 50 years. Plus, you got to buy more shit. I, you got to buy bigger, better shit. Bigger house shit, or more his, shit. Your stuff is stuff. His stuff is shit. And you need your stuff to be better than his shit because his shit is outmatching your stuff. So you need to go get more stuff and better stuff to outmatch his shit. How, exactly. how, I mean, Fight Club's the best movie for that. You spend your life trying to impress people you don't give a fuck about, buying stuff that you don't care about. Absolutely. It, it is. Absolutely. Absolutely. George we got away from- did a big old bit on that about how oh. we have to buy houses to just, they're actually just covers for piles of our shit. Yeah. But, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So where I was going with that is that, you know, the, if you do the reading list and and I'll publish... I'm going to do a reading list on on Telegram uh, and on Substack because the, the Substack has been woefully unmaintained. But um, we're going to post all that stuff to Substack so that you can have access to troops, water videos, and he he's a he's a threat analyst by trade, so he's 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 got all the the uh, emergency stuff down to science, all of the Red Cross stuff. He gets it all right. He does it all. There's value in that. And if, if people hear me say anything tonight, hear this, we're past the culmination point. You should be actively involved in your community right now. Start with your church, look for ways and outreaches of your church. And what you're going to find at your church, especially some of the more chic and bougie churches, you're going to find that none of them know what the fuck to do with themselves because their, their idea of helping the poor is taking their Starbucks once a month out and feeding, you know, a couple of spoonfuls onto a plate with homeless. What Troop is doing is actually helping the homeless. 
And they actually trust it because it's not the Boeing company on their Saturday where they post all over Instagram where they go out there for an hour with their Starbucks and shovel plate onto, you know, food onto a plate. He's actually helping people. Start with your church, figure out ways to get involved in your community, get involved with your city councils. There's groups that are working against the city councils. Go find out who those people are and go start working with them and go to the city council meetings. It's one, it's one day a month, one day a month. You can go city to city council meeting and jump in their ass with both feet and tell them just how bad their their decision-making cycle is. And you don't even have to shout over them. I mean, if you want to shout over them, that's always a possibility and always a good opportunity. But the point is get involved and start with your church and work branch off from there. There's there's tons of places to get involved. I can agree. There's so much to do. Read pawns in the game. And at the same time you're doing that, Increase your sphere of influence and your line of sight. Get people that you trust in your circle of friends. Get people that you can count on in your circle of friends. And look, if nothing comes to pass, great. Look, I can tell you, I was never more elated in my life than to be completely wrong about the 4th of July. I was convinced there was going to be an attack on the 4th. I was so relieved not to have that happen. I love being wrong like that. I I I love love it, it too. I'm glad you were wrong. I I love it. Not prepared in any way, shape, or form. Nobody is. I can tell you, you're not going to be prepared even if you're prepared. Right. Yeah. Well, I don't have my $20,000 in kit. You know, what am I going to do, Steve? You're you're going to sit in your house with your 12-gauge and your seven rounds, and you're going to make every one of them count when they come to the door. Right. Just saying. That's what you're going to do. So. All right, brother. Well, it was was good to be on the show again. We got to do this again soon. I can't but, thank you enough for putting up with just me by myself. I know how you love Angelica and she wasn't here, but I, I appreciate you putting up with just me. I just want her to rant just once. I, I want to see the, the strong black woman come out and just lose her shit on somebody. I got to go viral. Tell her fire her up and just let her go. You know, oh, right? she was fired up man. she was like totally to fired her, up. Witness it. <laughs> yeah. By the way, I sent you a coin. There's, there's a coin coming. So I, I heard, okay, it's a coin. I heard something was coming. They didn't tell me. So yeah. yeah. There's a coin coming. I gave him a coin. So yeah, there's a coin coming. Really appreciate you, Steve. Really. No do. worries, brother. No worries. Stay involved. Keep your voice heard. Keep your voice heard. Keep, no, keep saying what you're saying. We're not giving up, man. And we'll see you soon. You will. All right, brother. Take care. Thanks, Steve. We'll see you. Good night, everyone. Oh, boy. Wow. I got to catch my breath after that. I mean, come on, Steve, what what more do you want? He said so much, so many things that I I can't even go through them all. Like I said, I had a stack of papers here. Look at this. I had a stack, all kinds of stuff to talk about. Didn't need it at all. Didn't need any of it because Steve just goes and one thing to the next, to the next. And I loved it. How do I wrap this up? How do I give you a final thought all by myself? I don't even trying to compose my head figure out what I got to say. I, I really want to push the sound of freedom thing again. Um, I, I went to see the movie uh, July 3rd. It actually technically, I guess, opened on July 4th, but I was able to get tickets at my local theater on July 3rd. I saw it that night. I loved, 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 loved the movie. I might go see it again. And if you're going to see the movie, don't jump up after the credits because or as soon as the credits come on, 
don't jump up and get out. Go, you know, I know I like to get out and throw my popcorn away, but the credits, it, it's worth watching. There's some names in there and places you might want to see where it was filmed. But of special interest is a message from the lead character in the movie at the end. And he gives some statistics about child trafficking that absolutely floored me. I had a pretty good idea. I, I've heard some of this stuff before, but the statistics that he went through was unbelievable. Um, things like child trafficking is now the number two industry in the world. It has surpassed the gun trade and it is very, very quickly catching up with the drug trade. That is a lot of money. That is a ton of money. It's actually going to surpass the drug trade in money. And they talked about it in the movie. It's a, a pretty uh, valid point that they make. In the drug trade, you can sell a bag of dope once. In the child trade, you can sell a child four, five, seven times a day, day after day after day for decade. You just keep selling that product. And I know, it's sickening. I know. Another stat I heard this last one, I'll give you and I'll save the rest for the movie, but they state, and this is, this is true. I know this to be true. There are more human slaves in the world today than at any point in history, any point, including when slavery was legal, there's more slaves now. And most of them are children and most of them are involved in the sex trade. It, it's it's heart wrenching. I I just I I have a hard time with that, and it, it breaks my heart. It truly does. At any rate, um, good stuff from Steve tonight. Gave us a lot of pointers. I got a reading list here. He's at Pawns in the Game, Killing Patton, Decline and Fall of the Roman Empire, and When China Attacks. Oh, and Deep Survival. He kept saying the last one, but that. Those are the books that he just listed off. And I'm going to try to put them in the comments on Rumble after the show. These books will be in the comments section. I thank all of you for the comments that you left, both uh, Facebook and Rumble. Most comments on Rumble. Facebook's a, a dump. I, I don't know how much longer we're going to keep streaming in both places on Facebook and, and Rumble. I think we're just going to go back to Rumble, stay there. That's where most of you found us. That's where... All of our content is. Everything we've done is on Rumble. We're sporadic on Facebook, sporadic on YouTube. and But if you want all of our content, everything we've ever done here at the Gray Matters in the Friday Night Morning Show, it's on Rumble. So find us there. A couple other things I wanted to mention before I go. Uh, like I said, Jesse Angelica are returning next week. We'll be back here live at 7.30 Central on Rumble for sure. And Trooper is going to join us in the near future. Jesse and Angelica have his information. They were out in Arizona visiting Trooper and Steve in person, and they got Trooper's information. They're going to connect with me as soon as they get home this week. Or, well, next week. We're at the end of the week now. <laughs> anyway, they're going to give me his info. I'm going to arrange things. We're going to have Trooper on the show. I want to thank Steve again for joining me. I want to thank uh, Charlie 
for joining me last week. If you enjoyed seeing Charlie on the show, if you like the show, drop a comment. Let me know. We may have him back and uh, maybe put him and Jesse in the same room together. And who knows what'll happen then? <laughs> It'll be fun. At any rate, I don't have much more to tell you. Thank you. If you've been here for the whole two hours, I really appreciate you. We're going to be back next week, all three of us, with lots more fun on the Friday Night Morning Show. See ya. Thank you.